1: Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. And my co-host is...
2: Sharon Pierce.
1: Sharon is a practicing CRNA for 20 plus years, past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and has held many other leadership roles. In fact, a lot of our listenership know Sharon, know who she is from her background. Our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs.
2: We have a great show for you today, and it is my pleasure to present jeremy stanley my co-host yay (laughs) and today we're going to be talking about something that's probably near and dear to a lot of people's hearts and we are going to talk about retirement and things to consider before you embark on life after anesthesia so
1: there is life after anesthesia i promise really yeah
2: wow Contrary
1: to some people's opinion. Well,
2: you know, I don't know that I'm ever going to retire from working altogether because I don't think I would do very well at it. And I gave anesthesia for a prominent plastic surgeon for 20 years every Wednesday, Louis Patsavoris in Greensboro. And he tells me all the time to never retire, to Mm. stay busy.
1: There are some folks that enter into retirement not understanding what that means without a clear vision, Mm -hmm. and I think that's a difficult time in retirement. we'll talk about that what okay. that
2: means. Again, a little bit more psychology by Jeremy Stanley.
1: I tell you what, sometimes I feel like I am a true psychiatrist and psychologist. Hmm. I just can't administer the drugs yet. Well but, uh, maybe we're working you need on to that. go
2: back to school and get you a little degree there. <laughs> Seems to be the thing to go back it, to school. It,
1: it does Miss Yale. Absolutely. <laughs> Yell's a
2: four-letter word right now.
1: (laughs) We've had a few of those today. (laughs) Um, But, you know, as retirement gets closer, people are going to have lots of big decisions to make. You know, one, as we just talked about, when do I stop working? Should I take Social Security early? Should I wait? Uh, You've got decisions around health care and how that's going to work. And then, really... How am I not going to outlive my money, which is a big one?
2: Mm. Mm. Yes, that is a big one.
1: So all these decisions are interconnected, and they all make a difference in the decisions we make, not just at retirement, Mm -hmm. but also along the way. So today we're going to talk about some of those decisions and things you need to be thinking about as you prepare for life after anesthesia. And that actually is a book that I wrote, Sharon, for CRNAs to help prepare them for thinking about retirement, two books. Two books.
2: Oh, I've got to catch up just a little bit here.
1: Yeah, I don't know that you have time right now to do no, this, but, but one, day, it, one day, one day, when you write that book, I want to read it.
2: Oh well, I've got one in the be some works juicy right now. Stories yes, in there. it's about political involvement, but I have to wait for all the guilty to die before I can <laughs> publish it.
1: Touche, <laughs> touche.
2: Well, uh, let's talk about CRNA demographics. Uh, we're getting older.
1: You are getting older. You are getting older. As long as we don't look it. You don't look it. No, you guys look wonderful. It must be the Rodan and Fields everybody's doing these days. That is it. I guess that. A little plug there. Yes. You know, sharing the average American, they plan to retire at 68. That's kind of if you ask the average American, that's what they say. And then they expect to spend 28 to 30 years in retirement, which if you think they're going to retire at 68, they think they're going to live to 96 or 98. That Um, seems... Now, unrealistic.
2: Pierce's mom is 88, 89. She's at our house and she might live that long.
1: <laughs> well, that means Pierce has great genes.
2: Oh, best thing I ever did. mated with a superior genetic pool.
1: <laughs> but what we find is that, you know, 60% of people that retire. Do so earlier than they planned. And that could be for a multitude of different mm-hmm. reasons. It could be that they had family issues, health issues, or, you know, their body just didn't hold up the way they thought it was going to.
2: Well, we do um, put it through its paces, don't we?
1: Yeah. So the actual median retirement age these days is around sixty two.
2: Okay, there was something floating around on Facebook, and I didn't look at the source. God, my professors at Yale would scream, but it said the best age to retire is at fifty-five, mm. and that you were more likely to live to about eighty-seven and have a good quality of life if you retire at fifty-five. Hmm.
1: Interesting. I think that would be great for some people, right. but you and I, I'm not sure no. the type A personalities no, that we not can at all. But at I need to send you that so yeah. you can critique it. Well, you know, when people do retire, they've done studies about this, and, you know, 76% of them wish that they had saved more during their working career. I'm
2: surprised it's not more than that, actually.
1: Well, some people are just oblivious, you know.
2: Well, some people a
1: lie. (laughs) 68% of them wish they had learned more about investing and retirement savings.
2: Of course, that makes absolute sense sense. again.
1: Yeah, and 53% of people said they wished that their employers or someone would have educated them better about mm-hmm. preparing for retirement. Those are amazing statistics. I mean, you think about where do we learn about financial matters from? They don't teach you no. in elementary school. No. Or middle school. They don't even high teach you how school. to
2: balance a checkbook Absolutely anymore. Absolutely
1: not. No. Did no. you learn this when you were in nursing school? No. No. How about anesthesia school? No. No. See, the problem is that we're not training people to be financially successful.
2: Right. Well, that's because your profession doesn't want us to. <laughs>
1: we, we do want you to be I know that successful. you are For an sure.
2: anomaly. You are special in so many ways. <laughs> but, I mean, it's like guild protection almost. I mean, mm-hmm. they want to keep us stupid. I mean, I don't want to get into a fight right here, but... <laughs>
1: I think some people do Mm -hmm. want to do that. I mean,
2: you're not like that. I call you all the time with questions. (laughs) I'm amazed you still take my calls.
1: (laughs) You know, some of the other things you've got to be concerned about is, like you and I are going to have to be concerned about, are we emotionally prepared for life after anesthesia or retirement?
2: Well, how much younger is your wife than you? Thirteen years. Thirteen years. Well, there you have it. You're never retired. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know what's kind of funny about Sarah and I, and I tell her this all the time so she won't get mad at this, but Sarah's kind of more of an older soul. Yes. And, she absolutely you is. You know, And she always has been. And I'm more of a kind of younger yes, soul. Yes. That so, would be true. So we kind of meet well,
2: in the middle. Well, all men are younger souls. I well, mean, you, you, in it, some regards. I mean, none of you, your brains are older than 20. <laughs>
1: Uh, We can't go down that road. No, let's Um, not.
2: So let's get back to retirement. Let's get
1: back to retirement. So how do you define yourself outside of the OR?
2: I think that is what the biggest problem is. Back to psychology. Even... Dr. Pat Savoris, I believe he defined himself. And I think he's not alone. I think a lot of people oh. in healthcare, a lot of physicians. I mean, I wear a pin that says CRNA, a blingy pin. Everywhere you go. Everywhere I go. So yeah. what if I'm robbed of that identity?
1: Right. I mean, absolutely. I get it. Yeah.
2: I do get it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it takes a while to adjust to retirement. I tell most of our, our CRNAs who are getting ready to retire, For the most part, there are a few that are ready immediately, and that is wonderful. But for the most part, it takes two to three years for you Mm -hmm. really to settle into retirement. It is a huge transition to go from getting up every day, giving anesthesia, being at the top of your game, having someone's life in your hand Mm -hmm. all day long, making those decisions that us type A personalities love to make, So the only decision you have to make is, what am I going to do today? Am I going to go get groceries? Am I going to go work out? It's a vastly different Mm -hmm. way of thinking. And it takes time to adjust to that. Not to mention to the fact that now you're actually starting to spend what you saved. Right. And that is a huge transition for people. Again, back to the psychology Mm -hmm. of things. Makes sense. And, you know, you mentioned a little while ago people retiring younger. What's interesting is they've also done studies around that, and they said that people that retired younger, between 45 and 59, after two years in retirement, they were disenchanted with retirement. It reminds me of a story, Mm -hmm. and that story is Tom Brady, and they interviewed Tom Brady on 60 Minutes years ago, and they talked to Tom, and they said, Tom. You know, you're at the top of your game. You're married to a beautiful supermodel. You've got more money than you know what to do with. At that point in time, I think he had won three Super Bowls. Best quarterback ever in the NFL by a lot of standards. You know, how does that feel? And Tom paused for just a moment, and he looked at the the guy that was interviewing him, and he said, there must be something more. Now, here's a guy who, in terms of what we view as success in America – has it all. Mm -hmm. But he didn't have it all because he thought there had to be something more. And that's what we want our clients and that's what we want CRNAs to understand is it's not all about the money rising to the top of your game in the CRNA community. It is what is that something more for you and you've got to be able to define that. And that leads to a successful retirement.
2: That's pretty profound, Jeremy.
1: Done this once or twice.
2: Ah, I think so.
1: So you know, if we talk about CRNA demographics, as you you spoke about a few minutes ago, that where bell are we curve today?
2: shifting to the right. It's
1: way to the right. You know, the average age is almost fifty years old right now.
2: I can remember when I was on the front of that bell curve and now <laughs> I've gone over the hill and down the other Well, side. you have
1: maybe a number but not right. in mindset. No, absolutely yeah. not. You know, 53% of CRNAs, and this is according to the ANA's compensation and benefits study, have more than 10 years of experience in the industry and over 31% have more than 20 years experience mm-hmm. as a CRNA. That's,
2: yes, that's right.
1: And when you look at 50% of CRNAs right now are over the age of 50 and are going to retire in the next 10 years or so. I mean that's an amazing statistics when you look at approximately 55,000 CRNAs out there. Mm-hmm. And on average, if you look at the schools, they're pumping out about 2,200 students a year.
2: I think it's a little bit more than is that it? now. Is it? Okay. Yeah.
1: So maybe 2,400, 2,500. Yes. But, but the idea then is, all right, if 50% are going to retire, that's 26,000 CRNAs. Well, Here comes no,
2: the math.
1: 27,000 CRNAs or so. Now we're replenishing at a rate of, let's just call it 2,500 a year. Okay. Do you see the problem?
2: Uh, Well, you know, whenever I was president, a lot of times people would say, we're graduating too many Uh. students. And the math, even for me, didn't work out about that. And now you are shoring up my whole argument that I had back then. Because that's a problem. And, again, if somebody's going to be standing at the head of that table, and we know one group that will not, <laughs> and then there's us, and then there's this other group, yeah, the AAs, and if we don't replenish our numbers.
1: Absolutely. It is a problem moving but forward. But
2: I will say, I think CRNAs work longer than mm. 65 I do know a lot of CRNAs that work longer than that. It would
1: be interesting to see the true statistics at the ANA track that.
2: You know, I can't recall if we do or not, but you're exactly right. And I think a lot of them will transition and work two or three days a week. Right, or do some locums or 1099. Yes, yes. But that's a good thing we need to check into. Yeah. So let's talk about the questions that everybody asks. Can I retire?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's one that's on the minds of every person, not just CRNAs. But can I retire? And the problem is that goes back to that education. People don't really have a clue whether they can retire. You know, they don't have the confidence in where the money's going to come from. A lot of people lived through 2008 in the stock market, and mm. they had their retirement savings there, and they saw what happened, and they're scared to death of that. Well, so, that's
2: the reason why I think we've gotten backed up, and our numbers have risen significantly that will retire, because there were a lot prepared to retire that could not at that particular point, so they kept working, so absolutely. now we've just got those two bars on the graph have meshed together and that's why we have so many people that are getting ready to retire.
1: Correct, yeah. And then the other thing is, you know, that people are scared about is am I going to run out of money? Mm. You know, that is a huge concern and I don't care if somebody's got $400,000 saved for retirement or they have 5 million saved for retirement. It is the exact same question. Right. Doesn't matter. Will I run out of money? No one wants to run out of money. And if I'm going to not recertify, and I'm going to give up my license as a CRNA, and I can never replenish that income, that's
2: scary. Yeah, you know, I'm getting pretty scared listening to it right now.
1: (laughs) Other questions is, you know, lifestyle. Sharon, what does your lifestyle look like in retirement? You, you're not thinking about that right now.
2: No, but, you know, we sold our big house and right. everything about a year ago. So that was a big thing to us. We had gone to uh, International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists meeting, and we were going through Heathrow Airport, and I hate that airport. It's so spread out. And it was even difficult for us. Trying to navigate through there with your luggage. And I said, What if we're 65 trying mm. to do this? I said, If I want to go somewhere, I want to go now. Right. And I've got that albatross of the house, and I have all of this overhead expenses there. And Pierce and I were living in about a 5,000 <laughs> square foot house, just he and I.
1: Living in two or three rooms.
2: Yeah, and I asked him, I said, calculate how much square footage do we actually live in in this house? And we had the pool and the hot tub, and then you got all of your lawn care, because I do not do yard work. Yeah, And it was amazing. So we cut all of that out. So that's been helpful.
1: Yeah, and that's what I call one of those epiphany moments. Yeah, it was for us. And that's the point that people have got to get to and get serious about what retirement planning means.
2: And then, you know, Pierce is in construction. What if he fell off of a house?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Everything could change.
1: You could just take care of him, Sharon.
2: Well, we did move into an over-55 community, all one floor, so that, you know, if I have to, I will.
1: And the other things that people worry about is, you know, along the way, not just necessarily running out of money, but what could blow up my plan? Mm
2: -hmm. What are
1: those roadblocks that can jump in the way? Because think about it. Have you ever retired before? No. No. And you get really one shot at doing this. I do this every day, and I've done it for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, and we've worked with those folks to do that, so it's second nature to me. It's like you putting me to sleep. I worry about it. You don't worry about it because you know what you're doing
2: exactly and
1: and that's the hard part of this is back to that psychology and emotional factor yeah you're only going to do this once you want to do it right
2: let me ask you a question do men have a harder time than women do you think is this something gender-related
1: I think that if you can get past the numbers with women In other words, if you can make it visually appealing that there's enough money there, Mm -hmm. women are like, okay, let's do this. What I find with males is they seem to get more caught up in their career as their life. Right. And...
2: That's how they identify That's themselves. That's how they
1: identify themselves. Like, we don't go get our nails done together. We don't go sip wine together. Maybe we'll have a beer together every once in a while, but we're not as social as females are. That makes sense. So we, our identities are tied up in that job. And so even though they, you might show them that they've got enough money, it's back to that emotion. Are they really prepared to do that? Because most men don't develop outside activities, maybe golf. Or develop. <laughs> or develop, Yeah. <laughs> But you know those are those are issues. Right. That's a great point, Sharon. Absolutely interesting.
2: I still think you need to go back and get a psychology degree too.
1: <laughs> I'll put that on my agenda. Yeah,
2: I'll check it out at Yale and see if they've got one. There you go. Or you see can if they'll start let me Coming yell. up there, too. I don't know how much money you got. Looks like anybody can at Yale now? As, long as you got some money,
1: <laughs> I know. Just got to pay a little bit. We've got a new
2: hashtag. Hashtag, I earned it.
1: Hey, didn't Yale just win their uh, conference in basketball I saw or something? I don't know. I think they beat Harvard, I believe. So. Oh,
2: my God. Ooh, well, go. I'll find out in a couple of weeks when I'm up there. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the factors that you need to consider when you're calculating the cost of retirement. This sounds like a mouthful.
1: It is. You know, I mean, the first one is what age am I going to be able to retire? Because obviously, the earlier you retire, the longer time period, the more money you're going to need. So that's one factor, of course. And then your lifestyle. You know, I have CRNAs that really live a a wonderful lifestyle. Mm -hmm. They travel a lot. Like you and Pierce live in a 5,000-square-foot house. They're driving new cars. That is a definite lifestyle. But then I have other folks who… Now,
2: remember… Pierce is a contractor, so that's <laughs> worth a lot of square footage. It is, exactly. A square, that's right. Husband's a contractor. In fact, I think him
1: and your father built yeah. the house, he right? Yeah, my dad yeah, did. That's awesome. So, you know, I mean, that obviously plays a role as well. You know, if you want to retire and, and go fishing and sit on the front porch and whittle,
2: there you're you not going
1: to spend a lot of money. But if you want to travel the world and be able to go visit your grandchildren all over the U.S. and take wonderful trips and maybe even, you know, we get a lot of clients who want to help their children out financially. Right.
2: You know, I um, want to be Doug Ramey and Candy Smith oh. in, a, in my next life because they do the most <laughs> They travel. do some amazing trips. Yes, yeah. they do.
1: Yeah. So, And then the length of retirement, and none of us knows what that's going to be. You know, unfortunately, we can't develop a finite plan because right. we don't know what in the end is. What you don't want to have happen is you retire and then you die a year later.
2: I know, right?
1: But I see a lot of people that that happens to. Mm -hmm. But you also want to plan for what if I lived to 90 or 95? And that comes into longevity and factors such as... What your family typically lives to? Mm-hmm. Your genetics. How well are you taking care of yourself? If I have somebody that walks in and they're morbidly obese and you know, they got high blood pressure and heart problems and you know, I can kind of look at that and say, Well, the likelihood that they make it to average age is probably pretty low.
2: Right. So what is that now?
1: Yeah, I think for males it's uh, early eighty, and females like eighty-three. Okay, uh, somewhere in there, we typically will project out to age ninety, which is beyond mortality for right. most folks, because we'd rather you have too much money than not enough. We right. never so apologize for having too much. you for
2: your kids, I guess. Either
1: that, or you can take and blow it when you find out you're going to die and leave nothing. You know, one of the two.
2: Hey, I just took out a little <laughs> policy. For the party whenever I die, so at least there's open bar.
1: There you go. Awesome. Love it. Do I get an invite to that?
2: You will definitely get an invite since you're younger than me, I'm sure that
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you never know these days, right? That's right. And then other things you gotta think about is where does the money come from? Right. And that's the income sources piece.
2: Right. Well, another big thing we've got to talk about is healthcare costs.
1: Yeah, that's the uh, the elephant in the room these days. You're not
2: kidding. Mm.
1: Fidelity did a study on that, and they said a couple retiring today is going to need about $280,000 in their plan to cover health care costs during retirement. Mm. $280,000. Now, think about that. If the average 401k balance in America right now is $98,000. Really? Yes, that's the average. Now, CRNA is far surpassed that. Sure. And that's great because you guys are high-income earners. But still, let's say you retired, like I said, between $1.3 and $3 million, and you spend $280,000 of that just on health care costs alone.
2: So now, help me out here. Is that outside of Medicare?
1: That How? is. Yeah. Uh,
2: and 285? that is excluding
1: long-term care, Sharon. That is not going in a long-term care facility. That is paying expenses to deal with medical issues. Oh, Amazing. wow. mean, Yes.
2: That's pretty staggering.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, what do you do? Because we've got CRNAs that want to retire early. You know, we have some that retire in their late 50s, some that retire at 60, 62. And, of course, Medicare doesn't kick in to age 65. Right. And then you look at the cost of health care. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you're talking about $1,000, $1,500, 2000 a month right. to pay for healthcare expenses. That's true. And what do you do? You know, you can always take COBRA from your employer, and you can do that for 18 months. Mm-hmm. But if you retire and you've got longer than 18 months, you're back in this quandary. And COBRA isn't cheap. No. You can do what a lot of people do and make their spouse continue to work and just hop on their plan. Yeah,
2: there well, I don't have that option. Well, I'm the okay. one
1: with the plan. Well, that's just Pierce's plan then. Yes, that. it so. is Pierce's plan. And then you can go to the marketplace or the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, right. and you can get a plan through there. And that's a guaranteed issue plan. You know, they can't discriminate against you. But the problem is it's extremely pricey. Right. But you've got a plan for that. And that's where planning really comes in. And I'll tell you a strategy.
2: Okay.
1: We have a lot of CRNAs who want to retire early and they see the sticker shock of health care costs. Mm-hmm. Well, there's something called subsidy out okay. there. And basically what it is, is if your earned income is below a certain amount, and that's 400% of the poverty level in the county in which you live in, a mouthful, but if it's below that amount, you qualify for subsidy. Now, the way the law is written, it doesn't matter how many assets you've got. If you've got 4 or $5 million in assets... You can still qualify for subsidy. It is just your income. So if you can control the taxable income that you have, you could have $5 million in assets and still qualify for subsidy. So that's where the makeup of your retirement assets come in, whether it's after-tax money you have for retirement, whether it's Roth, which we're going to talk about Roth IRAs and the role and why every CRNA should have one or if it's other avenues of income that can be non-taxable to you. So qualifying for that is kind of a bridge to get you to Medicare. We have a lot of CRNAs who have a couple million dollars plus in assets. We keep their taxable income down below this level and instead of paying $1,500, $2,000 $1,500, 2000 for health care, they're paying three to $400 a month for healthcare.
2: care. Hmm. I don't believe we've talked about this before. So give me a ballpark of what that income would be. I know that it's a generated formula based yeah. on what you were talking about. There's a about. lot of
1: calculators out there on the web. And in fact, on the marketplace, they have it. And the Kaiser Family Foundation okay. also has another calculator out there. But here in North Carolina, where we are, in the county that we're in, you need to keep your taxable income probably below fifty-five dollars to $60,000 oh, well, to qualify. A, I,
2: that's a larger number than I thought it would
1: be. Yeah. Yeah. So you can have taxable income of that. Let me give you an example. Let's say you wanted $100,000 a year in retirement. Mm-hmm. And we kept your taxable income at fifty. And then you had a pot of either Roth IRA money, or you, which will be non-taxable, okay. or you had non-qualified money or cash or bank accounts or CDs over here that we could utilize to subsidize that $50,000, then you still qualify for subsidy. That might be worth $1,500 a month to you.
2: Well, I just learned something right now.
1: Yeah. So, again, health care is a huge cost in retirement. And then the last thing is just to buy private insurance. But, again, you're, you're back in you know, $1,500, $2,000 a yes. month. Yes. Well, so.
2: right now for Pierce, gosh, I, I pay hmm, about $650 a month just for him.
1: Wow. Is that but, through your group plan? Yes, yeah, through my yeah. group.
2: And it's a $10,000 deductible. Wow. Yeah. So wow. I pay that for him, and then my employer pays for mine wow that's a sticker shock even right there so well let's talk about medicare
1: yeah so now we reached age 65 we can okay. qualify for medicare and you know you guys deal with medicare i mean you're dealing with patients sure. on medicare all the time and what you do and there's different parts to medicare part a covers the hospital costs after you meet a certain deductible Part B is an optional coverage that covers medical expenses, and there's a, an annual premium that you pay for that. And mm-hmm. oh, by the way, that annual premium that you pay is dependent upon what your taxable income is. So the more taxable income you have, the more you pay for that premium. You see where I'm going with this? I do. So if we can control your taxable income in retirement, we can help lower your expenses and your outlays. So that's why I said a few minutes ago, Roth is going to play more and more important role as we move forward in retirement well, I planning. I can't
2: wait to hear about that because I didn't think we could do Roth.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about a couple ways you can. Oh, you got Part D coverage, which is your prescription drug coverage. right? And then Part C is Medicare Advantage. That is more like an HMO type plan mm-hmm. um, where you don't have a lot of outlay and copays and expenses. But there are some limiting factors for that. The one thing that I would encourage people to do is as you get to Medicare and you start making these decisions, find someone reputable who is not trying to sell you something to make money to help you make these decisions. Okay. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there who sell Medicare-type policies and so forth, and their incentive is to sell you something. You know, we work with some folks here that will not do that, that actually walk you through what drugs you're on, what plan makes the most sense, and so forth. Find somebody like that to help you make those decisions because it's a huge decision.
2: Yeah, it sure is. So what about the Medigap policies? Supplemental policies and
1: yeah, those are supplemental and they pay for expenses that part A and part B typically won't pay for. But again, it's another expense, another added expense that you've got to pay in retirement, and those can Mm -hmm. vary depending upon what level of benefits that you want. And again, you just kind of getting the tip of the iceberg here. This stuff is pretty complex. I mean, our government did right
0: all this right and insurance
1: companies and attorneys and legalese so it it takes a little bit if you don't do this every day Mm
2: -hmm. to make
1: sure you're making the right decisions for you
2: okay well it does sound complex and so uh, speaking of complex let's go on and talk a little bit about long-term care
1: (laughs) yeah unfortunately you know if you're over the age of 65 you have a 70 percent chance of needing some type of long-term care.
2: Seventy percent.
1: Seventy percent. You know, I remember years ago being in this business and long-term care insurance policies came out. And it was amazing. They were dirt cheap. You know, you could get a long-term care policy for a couple hundred bucks a year, maybe four or five hundred at most. But what happened was the insurance industry didn't realize how many people were going to be utilizing these policies <laughs> and they didn't price them right. So now people are getting these increases on long-term care policies every year and sometimes right. doubling right the premium. It sounds um,
2: like disability policies.
1: Yeah, there you go. But yeah, so they're doubling the premium and folks are finding that the benefits are going down and basically – What they bought years ago is not going to cover the amount that they need now. So, you know, as part of retirement planning, we know or we know someone or you know someone who has been either in a long-term care facility, needed some sort of home care that somebody had to come in and take care of them, or their family is having to help take care of them at home. Right. You know, we're all gonna be touched by this. So, and I'm not telling you that everyone out there needs a long-term care insurance policy, but you need to be planning for that. What if this happens? And if you're married, the likelihood goes up that one of you is gonna be taking care of each other or having to foot the bill for this long-term care. And with the average cost per year being somewhere in the 70 to $100,000 a year range, that could be a big detriment to your retirement plan. I know
2: I haven't really thought about it a whole lot because my mother died when she was 50, and most everybody out there who read Convos with Daddy knows that he just fell over on the back porch at 77. And we don't really deal with long-term care. And then Pierce's daddy is 90 and still driving a wrecker and doing everything and then, you know. His mom's 88 and still kicking, so I really haven't given it much thought, <laughs> to be well, perfectly honest.
1: And you know, a lot of people don't until they get into their 50s and 60s and really start to plan for this stuff. But that's the time you really need to be taking a look at this and saying, what if? And how would that be detrimental to my plan? hmm Exactly. Uh, a lot of things to think about, Sharon.
2: Uh, a lot of things. Well, I know that we have a lot more topics to cover, but I think we're going to break this down into several different podcasts because it's a lot of information to absorb and to think about. So I think it's a wrap for today. What do you think, Jeremy?
1: Yeah, I think so. We'll look forward to the next time and talking about some other topics that deal with life after anesthesia and this big group of retiring CRNAs that We're going to have here in the next 10 years or so and talking about things to help them make life better as they enter the next phase. Well, we want to thank everyone for listening to Beyond the Mask with Jeremy Stanley.
2: Sharon Pierce.
1: If you like our show and want to know more, check out our other episodes on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review. We really haven't done a lot of advertising, but tell other people about us. Until next time.
0: Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and everywhere else that streams podcasts. Today's show was made possible by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services customized to fit your unique needs and objectives if you have questions about your financial future get them answered call the team at 855-304-3748 that's 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com and thanks for your support of beyond the mask